Welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. As a community of faith, we are passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus. The Apostle Paul, as we followed his life in the last 16 years since his conversion, he showed us what it looks like to live a life that is bringing glory to God and someone who makes the gospel his primary focus in life. And so today what I want to do is go back to Acts chapter 20, and it worked out perfectly. Sometimes on anniversaries, I'll, I'll preach a specific message. Uh, this year, man, it just worked out with our study through the book of Acts. And so I want to return there to verse number 13 is where we'll be today. And what we're going to see in this passage is three pursuits of the Apostle Paul of his life and of his ministry and how those three pursuits can serve to us as examples uh, of, of people who are trying to serve God, trying to look to the future for what God has for us. And our thoughts today come from a message that Paul preached. It's kind of like a farewell message that he preached to the pastors of the Ephesian church as he had a brief layover on his journey in a town called Miletus on his way to Jerusalem. We pick it up in verse number 13 of Acts chapter 20. It says, and we, now that's a key word there. It says, and we, because we uh, is talking about now Luke. So Luke was with him. There was obviously other people that were with him. And it says, and we went before to ship and sailed unto Asos, there intending to take in Paul. For so he had appointed, minding himself to go afoot. And when he met with us at Asos, we took him in and came to uh, Mytilene. Now what that is, is what they're saying here is that they were getting on a ship. They're going to go down to this Asos, but Paul decided that he was going to walk by himself and meet him there. Verse 15, and we sailed thence and came the next day over against, there's a lot of names here. I'm going to probably not say them all correctly, just so you know. Chios, and the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried at um, Trogilium, and the next day we came to Miletus. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, if it were possible to, for him, to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. Well, there were only 50 days between the Passover. Remember, he tried to get there for the Passover, didn't make it, had the Passover in Philippi. He has only 50 days from the time of Passover until the day of Pentecost. And so for Paul, if he's going to make it all the way from Philippi, all the way down to Jerusalem, and it was quite a journey, he was going to have to get moving. And so uh, he had already spent five days on a ship. He'd already he spent seven days in Troas, as we talked about last week, and now uh, he is in a hurry to get from Troas to Asos, where he's going to pick up another ship, and off he goes. But yet, in the middle of it, what we see is the Apostle Paul taking a moment, and he sends on everyone else on a ship, and he says, I'm going to go, and I'm going to walk by myself that time. Now, you say, well, what is he doing? If he's in a hurry, why is he walking all of that way? Well, I think what Paul is teaching us here is just, and it's just a, a little point today that I think is important. It's, a, it's something that many great Christians of the past have have discovered, and I think it would be great for you to discover this as well, and that is this. Sometimes you just need to spend some time alone. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to spend some time alone with the Lord. I really believe that's what he was doing. He was spending time with God. He was alone with him. He was praying. Uh, maybe he was seeking some future clarity. Uh, we also know later on, we'll see in the passage, God had revealed some things to him about what was to come up, and so maybe he was just talking with the Lord about that, seeking strength for it, but either way, he recognized the power of time alone with God. And for us, it's a great thought today that maybe for some of you, you are in a point right now where you just need some time alone with God. You're in a hurry. You have places to go. You have things to do. But you need to maybe step back for a moment and just say, you know what? I need to spend some time alone with God. 
And so Paul does that, but of course, like I mentioned, he is on a mission. And so when he arrives there to Asos, he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. Uh, But in verse number 16, as we said, uh, as we saw there, he said that I'm not going to stop in Asia. I'm not going to stop in Ephesus, even though he was really close to Ephesus. Now remember, he'd just been there for two and a half years, right? I mean, he had an established ministry. He had a lot of friends, but he was in such a hurry. He says, you know what? I'm not going to go and I'm not going to spend time with them. But when he got to Miletus, I don't know if his heart changed or what it was, but he wanted to see him. And so he said, sent for someone to go and tell the elders in Ephesus, and they came down and they met him in Miletus for a pastor's retreat. Pastor's retreats are great. I would like to be a part of this one, by the way. Uh, but as he gets those missionaries or those, those pastors there, they come together and we read in verse number 17, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and call the elders of the church. Man, well, that, that would have been a great reunion, I think, of them all together again after a few months. I think it'd been about six months or so by now since Paul had left there. But here we see him beginning to speak to what is called the elders. It's the same uh, word, presterios, which is the same we see bishop and pastor or uh, elder and leader. It's, a, it's a, a term that we use today as pastor. But here what he is doing is he begins to speak to them and he reveals to them the driving forces behind his faithful service to the Lord. And as he preaches to them and gives us this message, what I want to do today is I want for us to see some important and helpful reminders for us to set our focus on as we begin the seventh year of ministry here at City Baptist Church. And if you don't mind, I'm going to put a lozenge in my mouth. Is that okay? The reason is because I've been breathing smoke like many of you for the last few days, and I feel it right here. Just so you know, it's not COVID, it's smoke, all right? If I was a smoker, I don't, know, I'm, I don't anyway, that makes no connection at all. Uh, man, has anyone else been bothered by the smoke? Man, it's like the apocalypse, right? I mean, we have like, uh, we got smoke everywhere, red skies, we have a moth, you know, infestation. <laughs> maybe we mistranslated Revelation, moths, and maybe they're in there somewhere. <laughs> all right, I'll just let it hang out in there for a while. Okay, so um, number one. This is Paul. He's preaching. I told you, sometimes the 9 a.m. is a little rough because you guys, you know, it's early in the morning and you get the, you get the first run through. Okay, here's what we're going to look at. Number one, a passion to serve. Thank you. That's already on the screen. A passion to serve is what Paul begins to reveal to those men there. Look at verse number 18. And when they were come, uh, come to him, he said unto them, ye know, he begins to speak, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. That's that's just a great thought. He says, I've I've been here with you. I know you. I've been with you guys. Serving the Lord. Here's what he's been doing. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Now, above all anything else, what I want you to get is that Paul saw himself, first of all, as a servant of Christ. He didn't see himself as any other way. He said, I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though Paul was used by God in so many incredible ways, and he he saw so many things happen and so many powerful events that took place, and he changed the face of the world for Christianity, at his core, the core beat of his heart was that he was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, whether he was teaching at the hall of Tyrannus or if he was addressing the crowd in Athens, if he was singing in a prison cell or if he was sewing a tent made out of leather pieces, whatever he was doing, he saw himself as the servant of Jesus Christ and everything he did was in service to the Lord. Now today, you know, all of us serve somebody, don't we? In our world today, everybody does serve someone. Now for most people today, they serve themselves, right? And they are the servant to themselves and they'll do whatever it is that their flesh says and and, uh, they'll do whatever they can to get their own comfort or their own pleasure. Other people, of course, serve uh, money. 
Uh, they serve maybe the expectations of a family member or the expectations of, of a, a, someone else that they have a relationship with, or they serve the expectations of their boss. Whatever it may, may be, we do serve someone or something, but as Christians, we recognize that everything we do is in service to the Lord. Everything we do, even the most mundane tasks of life, are to be done in service, recognizing that we are serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 teaches us, and whatsoever you do, do it, say it with me, heartily, heartily. That's like, you know, it's a hearty stew, you know? <laughs> we say that about, I mean, it, it's, it's full, it's, uh, you know, it, it brings life, it's, uh, it's, it's something you want to have on a cold day, and we are to serve God heartily with all that we have. It's going to bring uh, fullness to our lives, and so we serve him uh, heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. What does that say? It says everything we do. I, I, I've always wanted to preach a message. Uh, I was planning on preaching it this November at a youth conference in Oregon. Well, guess what? That got canceled. But anyway, uh, I was going to preach it, and my title of my message is whatever, and I was going to base it off of this, <laughs> this uh, verse right here because teenagers, you know, at least when I was a kid, like whatever, Dad. You know, they always say that. Well, the idea is whatsoever you do, whatever, whatever you do. do. Okay, I thought that was a good idea. I'm still working on it. <laughs> but look at this. Knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. And that's the idea of who we serve. We serve Christ. He is the one who does the rewarding. It's not about being rewarded here on this earth. It's about serving the Lord. And Paul was not in the ministry for money. In fact, as he mentioned here, in his time of service, there were tears. Uh, there was suffering. There was temptations. There was persecution from the Jews. Why would he do all of that stuff? Well, because he, ultimately he knew he was living his life to serve the Lord because he knew what we need to know today, and that is God takes seriously anything that is done in his name. God takes very seriously the actions of his people. And for us, uh, what that does then is that gives meaning to our lives. You say, how can I find meaning in this job that I'm just sort of working through right now? <laughs> how can I find meaning in this situation that I find myself in? Well, listen, you can find meaning in it because it matters to God. It matters to God. And if it matters to God, it should matter to you. And, and that's the thing is that as Christians, we recognize we are doing all things in service to the Lord. And the great thing about it is that you don't have to have a big platform then to serve Jesus Christ. Some people feel that, well, unless they're standing in front of uh, people, you know, that they're not really serving the Lord. Or unless that somebody recognizes and, you know, gives them some applause that they're not really serving the Lord. Listen, we serve God in all areas uh, of our lives. And it's rooted in that humility uh, that should come, Paul mentions that about being a humble servant, that humility and understanding that everything I participate in makes a difference. And it, and it, it applies to us as a church, of course, in so many ways. Everything that we do for, should be in service of the Lord, whether in the local church context, whether it's uh, uh, cleaning up or setting up something or, or, or setting up chairs. I said setting up. Setting up, setting up chairs, if you need an example, uh, things that you need to set up or, uh, or, or it's teaching a class or, or, or reading scripture, whatever it may be in the local church, handing out an invitation, a bottle of water, whatever it is, that's all done in service to the Lord. And it also applies to our personal lives, our personal lives. You know, for some, for some of us and uh, we recognize what it's like to apply that concept to every part of our lives. We also know what it's like to have that fade away for a while. You know, I would hope that all of us would view our service to the Lord and its application to things like our marriages. <laughs> Recognizing that the way we treat our spouse and the way that we uh, invest ourselves into our children and our relationships is a way that we can serve the Lord. As, as a parent, I, I serve the Lord uh, in the way that I parent my children. 
And I want to just ask us today, how is your passion for serving the Lord? How's your passion for serving the Lord? Paul said, he didn't, he didn't meet those guys and be like, bro, you guys remember what we did? <laughs> you remember that, those sweat rags? You remember, uh, you remember all of these great stories? Uh, remember those people that were healed? No, no, he just said, hey, first and foremost, I am a servant of the Lord. It, it's difficult. There's trials. But above all else, I am simply a servant of the Lord. And that's what Paul says here. He says he had a passion to serve. And to me, what I see is that his passion was so great that it began to affect every area of his life. Well, he's continuing to speak to them, and he shares with them about his passion to serve, but I think the next point is directly connected in the sense of his passion to serve came because of his prioritization of the gospel. And so secondly, I want you to see today, he made a decision to prioritize the gospel. Here's what I want you to get this morning. Your priorities will always fuel your passions. Your priorities will always fuel your passions. Man, that's so important for us to remember. And for Paul, he, his passion was to serve the Lord, and it's because his priority was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Think about that. He says, I kept nothing back. You know, we always talk about today, you know, I just want to just put it all out there, and I want to have relationships that have, you know, no boundaries. By the way, boundaries are okay in relationships, you know. This idea of I'm just going to put it all out there, and I'm going to, you know, live the life to the fullest. Well, do you know how to live the life to the fullest uh, is in serving other people. And that's what he said. He said, I didn't hold anything back. I served you. But what did he not hold back? He said, I've showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Verse 21, here's what he did. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. So without discrimination, repentance towards God. Here's the gospel. Repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. It did not matter what came into his life or even where he traveled. For Paul, it was always about one thing and one thing alone, and that was preaching the same gospel of grace that had so powerfully impacted his own life personally. And it's so simple here. Paul was committed to the truth of the word of God. And the reason he was committed to the gospel is because he saw the freedom that it had given to him personally. And so because of how it affected him personally, he then wanted to share that truth. He recognized that our world is in great bondage, just like it was back then. I'm sure that Paul had heard about the words of Christ in John 8, 32, where Jesus had said, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And so for him, recognizing the freedom that he himself had received because of Christ, wanted to go and share that with other people. In church, we need to be the ones who are sharing the gospel. Did you know there is not a bad place to share the gospel? Did you know that? <laughs> it can be in the pulpit. It can be uh, in a coffee shop. It can be at your house. It can be in a park. Whatever it is, we must prioritize calling people to repentance and calling them to faith just like Paul did. See, he and others simply continued the preaching ministry of what the Lord himself did in Matthew 4, 17, where it says that from this time on, uh, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, listen, I understand we live in a day of increasing complexity. I understand that. And especially for the church, there is a temptation that we can fall prey to that pushes us to become sophisticated and complicated as a church. There is a temptation there. Uh, there's a temptation to maybe only try to cater to a certain kind of person or a certain uh, demographic or fit into the culture of our community. But as believers, the thing is this. We must never lose, the, lose sight of the fact that our focus must be on the right things, and the right things is always the gospel of Jesus Christ. At, at the baseline, that's what it is. It is not optional. 
It doesn't have to be overly complicated, and it's just one message, and the message is what Paul preached there, which is we need to turn from sin, turn to God, that is repentance, and then believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, for us as a church, looking forward to the years ahead, this is the singular focus we must have above all else. It is this focus that uh, leads us to continue to reach out to our community, to continue to have dreams, uh, to plant other locations throughout the city. Uh, it is what uh, motivates us to give to the vision of the church and give to opportunities that come and to see what God is doing. And as well, it is what gives us hope to, uh, to, to not lose hope in our quickly devolving society that we live in because it is the gospel that is a hope giver. And you remember that day when you got saved and the hope that filled your soul because of your understanding of what Jesus Christ had done. When you stopped trying to live life on your own and stopped trying to uh, be saved on your own and set your own certainties of eternity on your own and you trusted in Jesus Christ and that hope that came. Listen, that's the hope that we need to continue to share, continue to tell. It is the gospel that gives us hope. It is the gospel that gives us faith. It's the gospel that gives us the faith to make big actions for the Lord, to take big steps of faith. And it is the gospel that gives us the strength to continue on in perilous times. And that's what we see Paul move into here as he continues to show his heart to those leaders. He challenged them to maintain a passion to serve. He challenged them to prioritize the gospel. But thirdly today, we see how he challenged them to persevere for the future. To persevere for the future, number three. Look at verse 22. And now behold, he says, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save. So he says, I don't know what's going to happen except for that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. So Paul here shifts from a description of the past to now he begins to talk about what the future is holding for him. Like I said, he knows that the spirit is leading him to Jerusalem. He doesn't really know what is ahead of him except for he knows that imprisonment and suffering was part of the package. <laughs> he said, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, except I know I'm going to be in prison, and I know there's going to be some suffering involved. But even knowing this much, Paul wouldn't allow that to stop him. He did not allow that to stop him from moving forward for the Lord and his calling in the gospel. See, here's the thing. Paul valued Jesus more than his own comfort. He valued Jesus more than even his own life. And for Paul, he wanted to look back at the end of his life, like he said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, uh, which says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Listen, church, the goal of our lives is not to have a long life, but the goal of our lives is to have a full life in service to the Lord Jesus Christ. So often we are so, we, we are so uh, um, focused on having the longest possible life on this earth. But if that is keeping you from living a full life of serving Christ, then, uh, then what is the point of it all, right? As a Christian, that is what we are called uh, to do. And the truth of life is, is that you can be an amazing Christian or you can be a very bad Christian and trials are going to come into your life. There's going to be difficulties. There's no escaping them. But for Paul, what I want you to notice here is that uh, uh, even though trials and difficulties were coming our way, uh, coming his way, he still continued to move on. He still continued to move on. I'm reminded of James chapter 1 and verse number 2, where it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, 
wanting nothing. See, Paul was prepared for the trials that lay ahead because he knew that God would use them to do something in his life, and he would not allow it to discourage him. He says, I know I'm headed into prison. I know that I'm headed into difficulty. But notice what he says in verse number 24. And I love this. This is my favorite. This may be the key verse of the whole chapter here. He says this. He says, but none of these things move me. Woo, I love that. <laughs> none of these things move me. He says, I know I'm headed into trouble, but I'm, I am not going to let it uh, move me or sway me in any way. He says, um, neither count I my life dear unto myself. Wow, can you say that today? Can you say that today? I, my life is not even dear to myself. He says, I, 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 and then look what he says, so that. And here's the key. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not afraid of trials. I'm not going to let it discourage me. My life is not my own. My life is Jesus Christ. And then when I understand those two things, I then might finish my course with joy. You see how it's all connected here. He's trying to give us a, a, a pattern for life. When you're serving God and you are uh, not afraid of, of serving him or the things that may come, and when your life is not your own, it is, it is Jesus's, you will finish your course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify, and there he mentions it again, the gospel of the grace of God. In other words, Paul is saying, no matter what is ahead, I will not allow it to move me from my calling and my purpose. And it is in this statement right here that we begin to understand why Paul is probably the greatest missionary to ever live, <laughs> right here. He just lays it out there for us. I don't think he's being prideful. I don't think he's being arrogant at all in the way that he's uh, putting it out there. But I think what he's doing is trusting the words of Jesus Christ when he said in John 16, where he said, these things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's what I believe Paul was trusting in. That's what uh, Paul was continuing on in is the fact that Jesus Christ was with him. And for us as a church, you know, as we look at the years ahead, I love to look to the future. I love to wonder what it is that God is going to do. But as we do that, I pray that this heart and this mindset will be at the core of who we are as a church family, that it will define us as a church, that no matter uh, the challenges that we may face, no matter the spiritual attacks that have come and will continue to come to our church family, no matter the physical restraints of having ministry in East Vancouver and the expense of everything and, and the difficulty of facilities and, and the cost of associated with ministry in the city, despite all of those things, like the Apostle Paul, we will say none of those things are going to move us away from what God has called us to do. I'm going to continue on. I'm going to press on with joy. I'm going to press on with contentment, knowing that this tribulation is not unique to us only. That's one of the worst things that we do in life is where we think I'm the only one who has ever suffered in this way. No, no, no. It is not unique to us. It is, it is the life of the Christian, to be honest with you. And yet God calls us by faith to stand up and say, I am not going to let it move me. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have faithfulness. I'm going to continue on. And, and the fact is, is because we can do that because we know Jesus wins. We read the back of the book. This is old song. I read the back of the book and we win. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Super old school. Look it up on Spotify. It's hilarious. Uh, but it's a good point. <laughs> uh, and that's the point. We, we serve the creator of all things. And so we can move forward with confidence knowing that God is on our side. And we will persevere into the future that God has for us because he's called us to it. If God's called you to it, he's going to walk with you through it. The Apostle Paul had a passion, didn't he? Man, he had a passion to serve. And it was based off of his priority of the gospel. And it was those two that led him to persevere into the future, even if the future was uncertain for him. 
You know, as a church family this morning, celebrating God's work over these past six years, I want to look forward to the years ahead with that same kind of passion, those same priorities, and that same perseverance. Why? Because we serve the same God that Paul served. Don't disconnect yourself from the Bible, okay? Don't disconnect yourself from the God that created all things and the God that left us his word and has preserved it for 2,000 years. Don't disconnect yourself from the God who walked alongside the Apostle Paul, the one who met him on the road to Damascus, the one who called him. God has called us and he is here with us today. Paul wrote just a month before this. I may be taking liberties with that. A few months before that, okay? Paul wrote this in Romans chapter number 831. He said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Man, that was fresh in his mind. <laughs> he had just written that during his time, the three months that he had in Greece where we don't really know what he was doing except writing. And he would have written that phrase there, if God be for us, who can be against us? We hope that today's message was a help and encouragement to you in your walk with God. To stay connected with us, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will grow and bless you as you pursue His will for your life.